You know, I love, I love what God is doing in us as a church. Uh, it's just been such a fun journey to, to watch, uh, the work of God in us individually and us corporately. And, uh, you know, last week, uh, we had a great time together. Uh, if you weren't here, we just kind of went spontaneous and I, I gave the message that I was going to give today. So I was like, okay, uh, we talked about taking the land and defeating the enemy and walking in victory. And, uh, you know, we, we ended kind of last week with just like a prophetic act of, uh, and a prophetic act is something that you do in the physical as a symbol of what's going on in the spirit. And, uh, so that's kind of, and so I just wanted to continue on from last week, continue to expand on it a little bit, uh, because, you know, I've had so many visions and encounters with Jesus in the last six to eight months, uh, about battling and about, uh, like just contending and warfare and all of these things. And I believe that the Lord is teaching me how to fight. And I believe that the Lord wants to teach his body how to fight. And, you know, it's a little bit different. Like all of these things that I'm learning, all of these encounters that I'm having with Jesus, it's just a little bit, it's defining warfare for me in a little bit of, of a different way than church culture has kind of made it. Um, and so if, if you've been in church a while or around somebody who's talking about battling and warfare, you know, sometimes it can just be, uh, so intense and you can, you, have you ever met anybody who's just always talking about fighting the enemy? You know, there's always on guard and all this. And you know, what I'm learning from the Lord is that, that as I'm learning to fight, I'm learning that it's about rest and identity and Jesus rather than hype and working really hard and the enemy. See, sometimes the church has come um, come to this topic of battling and fighting, and we, get, we, just, we just focus so much on the enemy. We just give so much power to him. We're just always talking about the enemy, what he's doing, and all of these things. And I, I'm just learning that what if we came and approached warfare and, and it was just about Jesus? What if we spent more time talking about Jesus and what he did rather than what the enemy is currently doing in our lives? I think it would change a little bit. And, uh, and so I, I want us to go to the scripture because I, I just love this passage so much. It's in Exodus uh, 17. And uh, this this passage in the Bible is coming right after the Israelites have been freed from Egypt. They've crossed through the Red Sea. They are being delivered. They've sang the song. They're having encounters with God, right? Uh, and so they're just kind of on the move here, right after their deliverance from Egypt. And uh, we're going to pick up in verse 8. So the Israelites are still just hanging out, okay? And the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. 
Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on, and then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset, and as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. All right, so if you've heard this passage before, I, I've, I've always heard it, and, and you always focus on Moses and Aaron and her. And that's such a beautiful message um, that I love about having people surround you and lift up your hands when you're getting tired. But I want to look at this passage in a little bit of a different way. I want to look at it from the perspective of Joshua. The enemy comes in and begins to attack. And Moses just tells Joshua, get your sword and get your men. And I want you to go and fight. And it says that that the enemy, in one translation, that they were discomfited with the edge of the sword. And I thought, I love that. It just means like they're thrown into confusion and completely, completely annihilated. And you look at Joshua and, and you're just like, you know, Nobody thinks about Joshua in this passage. We're always just looking at Moses, but Joshua's like down there and he's fighting, right? And he's fighting and he's fighting. And obviously he's a skilled warrior. He's like the guy in charge of getting the men, right? But here's the deal. This battle had nothing to do with Joshua's skill as a warrior. Zero. It said Joshua won. If Moses' hands were up, but he began to lose if Moses' hands were down. And that was the only determining factor of the victory here. Moses' hands are up, he's winning. Moses' hands are down. I'm like thinking, that, that's kind of a, a tough place to be in, in a battle, you know? Like if your victory is only contingent on the guy up on the mountain, right? And so this had nothing to do with his skill. It had nothing to do, now he was skilled and he knew how to use his sword, right? He was a warrior and he would go out. And I, when I read this scripture, like the Lord just began to make things come alive to me. And he said, Ashley, this is the way I want you to fight. This, this is what warfare looks like. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how, what your leadership ability is like, what your skill set is, how much scripture you know. Now, hear me say this. I'm not telling you not to memorize scripture and not to know the word of God. That is hugely important. Joshua would have been completely annihilated if he wasn't skilled with his sword, okay? He had to at least, he, he had to be trained with his sword. But Jesus began to just talk to me and said, can you just take your sword? And when I tell you to fight, can you just go fight and know that your victory is never dependent on you? That it's, it's me. Because if you place yourself in this battle, see Jesus, Jesus did hold his arms up. He held his arms up and gained every victory you would ever need in your life. He can be the picture of Moses standing on that hill, holding his arms up. And see, when we get a hold of this, we understand that we fight from victory, not for victory. 
And that's huge. That's huge, you guys. See, the idea, you, you look at, at Joshua in this, he's fighting from victory as long as Moses' hands are held up. His victory is determined by the guy on the mountain. And so he's fighting from victory. Okay, so in your own life, when we understand that Jesus has paid it all when he outstretched his arms, he was just like that. He paid everything. So you are already positioned for victory. So you fight from victory, not for victory. And do you see how that kind of changes your mindset when you're going up against something? Because if you know that there's already victory there, that you're already positioned in it, you just can rest. You don't have to work yourself up and, and do all this crazy stuff to win the battle and make it all about your works. You say, Jesus already did it. Jesus already did it. So we fight from victory, not for it. Jesus already won when he held his arms up. And this changes the way we fight. And, you know, God has already equipped us with weapons. And I think that's the thing sometimes we need to, to be aware of too, is like fighting can just be so restful. I, I'm just learning that. Like, like when I can just like be at peace and rest in knowing that Jesus has already done it, then I can come into alignment with what heaven has already done. I can go to his word. I can find promises to stand on. And it's so much less work than trying to make it about me, than trying to win the victory on my own. Like I could somehow do something better than Jesus has already done for me. God has already equipped you with weapons to fight. He's given you his armor. He's given you his word. And see, this is what I love is like, God is so good to us that he's, he's spelled it all out in his word for us. Like, Hey, you know what? You're going to be in a battle and I'm put on whose armor do you put on? God's. It says put on God's mighty armor. It's not, it's not about you. It's you're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Like, I don't want to put on my own righteousness. That's for sure, right? That's not going to get me very far in battle. Uh, I, the, the helmet of salvation, like I can't save myself. The shoes that come from the gospel of peace, like what kind of good news do I have in my own flesh? Nothing. So the armor of God is all about him. He's saying, I've already done it all. I've already given you every single piece that you would need to fight. I've given you my word packed full of promises and strategy and life. That is so much better than my words. You know what I mean? And so the Lord has just equipped us for battle. And the other thing that he has given us that's a tool. And this one is, is like, this is where you can come in is your praise. Your praise is a powerful weapon. And when you learn to be intentional with your praise, there's amazing things that happen. And I want to look at this, uh, this passage in second Chronicles 20. You guys, I read this this weekend and I almost lost my mind in my living room. This is so good. Are you ready for this? I don't feel like you guys are as excited or awake as I am this morning. I think you just look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Okay. Okay, that makes me feel better. Okay. Well, if you're not excited yet, hopefully this story does it for you because this story is awesome. You guys, I've, I've read the whole Bible, so I know I've read this before, but I did not remember this. And when I read it on Friday, I was like, 
what? This is so good. Who knew? There's so many good things in here. Read your Bible. It's awesome. Okay, so uh, we're just going to start verse, uh, verse 1 in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles. All right? So the armies of the Moabites, Ammonites, and some of the... Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Okay, Jehoshaphat is the king. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. And they're like already arriving, like they're marching against you. This is bad. So Jehoshaphat was terrified by the news and begged the Lord for guidance. And he also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all over the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. And he prayed and he just begins to pray to the Lord. There's like this long prayer where he begins to tell, oh, God, you've done all of these things for us. This is what your word says. Now, this is what's happening. Just basically making his petition. All right. So in verse 13, as all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children. The spirit of the Lord came on one of the men standing there. His name was Jahazel. All right. And he's the son of Zechariah, Zechariah, who's the son of this guy and this guy. He's a Levite. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, so basically what's happening is they're seeking the Lord. They're crying out for help, and somebody in the group gets a prophetic word. That's what's happening right here. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them, and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. And then the Levites stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Whew, doesn't that make you excited? This story gets better, you guys. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness On the way, Jehoshaphat stops them, okay? And he he gets a new battle plan. And he says, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. And after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. Okay, now this is a really bad war move. Okay, because on your front line, you don't want singers, all right? 
you need, you need your most skilled warriors who are not afraid because they're going to be the first ones to get hit. All right. So they, they're right there at the front line and he just stops everybody on the way and says, hold on. Now he consults some people. Okay. This is good wisdom here. And then he says, we're just going to go ahead and put the singers in the front of the army today. And you guys just begin to sing as we continue on to go see the masses. All right. That are coming against us. And so this is what they sang. You guys give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And so you have this army marching with a whole line of singers leading them saying, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. And listen, listen, this is so good. At the very moment they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies and killed every single one of them. And after they had destroyed that army, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived... At the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as the eye could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. It didn't say it didn't say that when they arrived to the enemy that they began killing each other. See, they weren't singing in front of the enemy. They were marching to the battle. They couldn't see them yet. They hadn't, they had no idea. They couldn't see them yet, but they began to praise. They began to praise. And it was their praise that defeated the enemy before they could even see them so that by the time they arrived to the battle, there was nothing but carnage. And they spent three days gathering the plunder from these armies and called it the Valley of Blessing because they had a big, huge worship party afterwards too. And then they went back to Jerusalem And they had a great big worship party there too. Like you just couldn't get these people to stop singing. And I love this because your praise is a powerful weapon. See, the kingdom of God seems so upside down because, uh, you know, in our normal feelings, we would wait until the victory to give the praise. But in the kingdom of God, you begin to praise before you see the victory. You praise first and it becomes a powerful weapon. See, if you really just want to kick the enemy in the teeth and confuse him, choose to praise when you don't feel like it. 
declare the goodness of God when everything around you is saying he's not good. You know, dance when you don't even feel like you want to stand up. Sing when all you want to do is complain. See, it does something. It becomes a powerful weapon. Your praise is a weapon and it can lead to victory. I've been practicing this this weekend. You guys, I I don't even know this week. I've just been like fighting something interesting for just a few days. And so finally on Friday night, I thought I'm done. It's on, you know, do you ever just have those moments? It's on. So I put Early to bed and I turned on some worship music and I thought, this is the last thing I feel like doing. I don't want to praise. I don't want to read. I certainly don't want to dance. I don't want to do anything. But you know what? I just did it. I turned on my music and I stood in my living room and I said, God, tonight I'm going to worship you because you're worthy. Because you're so good. Not because I feel like it. Not because there's any victory yet. But because I believe you are good. And I danced like a fool in my living room and I shouted and I praised and I declared the goodness of God. And I, I did it not as a formula to get something. I kept telling myself, God, I'm just going to, I will never stop praising you. I don't care if this thing breaks tonight or not. I will never stop praising you. Enemy, do you hear me? I will never stop praising you. His praise will always be on my lips. And so tonight I'm just going to choose it, even though I'd rather wallow and eat ice cream and complain and and turn on Netflix and just like zone out. But tonight, I'm just going to worship. I'm just going to do it. And there's sometimes, you guys, that you just have to be intentional with your praise when you don't feel like it. I love this story in Second Chronicles. I mean, like, the whole thing starts out, they're terrified for their lives. I'm, like, not even sure that the terrified feeling ever left. Sometimes you just do it afraid, and you praise anyway, and then God fights for you, and there's amazing victory. And there's amazing victory for all the people around you, too. See, your praise is a powerful weapon, not just for yourself. I want to tell you a story of the New Testament where there, there's an example of this. It's the story of Paul and Silas. And Paul was a, a guy who did amazing works for the Lord and uh, wrote a lot of the Bible. And him and Silas uh, get into a little bit of a, a scuffle. And uh, people aren't really jazzed about the message of Jesus everywhere they go. And there's a lot of controversy. And so anyway, the, the story ends, Paul and Silas, end up in prison they they're beaten uh it says uh like like severely beaten they're in stocks and they're in the middle of a prison for preaching the good news all right and so this is like this is this would be an example of a time when you don't feel like praising right you're like i am chained to a wall uh my back is bleeding because i've been whipped i have bruises it's probably cold in there and uh and they're sitting in prison And it says, as they were in prison, they began to sing. They began to sing praises to the Lord. And as they lifted their song of praise in the middle of this horrible situation, a great earthquake came. And every prison cell door was opened.
and the jailer comes in and he sees that, that all of all the prison doors are open and, and he goes to kill himself because he thinks, I am done. You know, like, you had one job and you, you let all of them go. And uh, right as he's about to just fall on his sword, Paul cries out and says, no, we're all here. We're all here. And he comes in, the jailer ends up getting saved. His whole family gets saved. The jailer takes Paul and Silas, bandages their wounds. It's like wounds, wounds. Uh, It's just this beautiful story. But it was all because Paul and Silas chose to praise. They were intentional with their praise, even in prison. Even when their physical bodies were in pain, they began to praise and you know what I think is so fascinating about this story? I, I, I always wonder, like, God, why didn't you just open their prison cell? I mean, like, it's God can do anything, right? So if they're the ones praising, shouldn't it just be their cell that swings open and they're free and they're like, ah, oh, yay, God delivered us. But, you know, sometimes your praise can unlock someone else's prison. Sometimes... Your praise becomes such a powerful weapon that it not only leads to your deliverance, but to other people's deliverance around you, your family, your friends, just people around you. When you, when you tap into this kind of praise, using it as a weapon intentionally, even when you don't feel like it and you begin to give God the praise that he is due, sometimes you will not only find freedom for yourself, but you will unlock other people's prisons around you. And that's the kind of praise I'm talking about. It's the kind of praise where you, you just begin singing while you're marching out to these massive armies, hoping that that was really a word from the Lord yesterday. And then when you get there, you're completely free. Everyone, your entire nation is free from the attack because of your praise. Your praise is a powerful weapon. And when we fight, we can stand there restful, not all worked up, not all crazy and loud. I mean, some of us are going to be crazy and loud because it's our nature and our personality, okay? But some of you aren't crazy and loud like me and others. And your praise is powerful. Your voice is powerful. Your quiet voice is powerful. And when we can come into a place of battling the enemy, where we're fighting from victory at perfect rest, knowing this battle has already been won because Jesus is standing behind me with his arms raised, then it frees me to just go in, trained with my sword, and do what I need to. And when we have that mentality then it's really easy to walk with such a, a humility and a godly perspective because I know ultimately the victory is not on me. I, I just get to learn how to use my sword and I go out and use it when Jesus says, pick up your sword and go fight. But I ultimately know that the battle belongs to the Lord, that it's his. The victory is on him. And that's freeing too. 
Because then it takes all the pressure off of you to feel like you have to win. You've already won. Jesus already won for you. You just go when he says go. And fight the right battles. Fight the right battles. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. Some, someone in the house this morning needs to be reminded. Some, some of you might have been so busy fighting people that you've forgotten that your, your enemy is spiritual. Don't fight people. People are not your enemy. The enemy is not flesh and blood. Fight in the spirit. And that means that your weapons are going to be spiritual weapons. It means they're going to come from the word. It means it's going to be the armor. It means it's going to be your praise. It means you're going to get to use spiritual weapons to fight a spiritual battle. Amen? So I want you to stand up. We're going to end this way. I want you to just take this as we go. Some of you might need that this week. But I want us to just end by praising together. Even if you don't feel like it right now, you can just practice what we just talked about. So we're going to just say, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. And I want you to just think about God's faithfulness in your life and whether you want to clap or just shout or just say thank you it doesn't have to be long and drawn out but we're just going to practice like we're going to say that one line together and then just respond how you want to giving praise and you know picture your battle in your mind what are you fighting for what are you up against man give thanks to the lord in the midst of that just tell the enemy just come watch me praise because you're not going to shut me up i'm just not going to stop praising god because he's so good amen all right so let's say it together give thanks to the lord for his faithful love endures forever thank you jesus you are so good you are so good Thank you, God, that you've already won the victory. Let your praise always be on our lips, God. You are so good. You are so worthy. Lord, we praise you. We praise you for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you've already won it all, that you have positioned us in victory. Lord, begin to unfold in us how we fight from a place of rest, from a position of victory, fighting with joy and praise with your word. Allow your promises to come alive in our hearts, God. Thank you for releasing fresh hope this morning in people's hearts. Thank you, God, that our praise and our thanksgiving gives us entrance into your presence. So we will be a people who never stop praising you. Let your praise ever be on our lips. In Jesus' name, amen.